I'm Chris Turner, and this is the Empowered Parent Podcast. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. Joining me once again are Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. Chris, how are you? I'm well. How are y'all? Not too bad. We're we're well. We're doing well. Good. (laughs) So, it's something that all parents think at one time or another, so we're just going to come right out and say it, and then we're going to talk about it. How do we love our children when we don't like them? Yeah. I don't know how to respond to that, Christopher. I like my children every (laughs) minute of every day. It's the hardest thing, and I think it is made even harder for adoptive parents Mm. and foster parents because we don't have that natural bond that comes. Right. And so we have to work at it a little harder sometimes. Mm -hmm. And not always. There's sometimes that it comes pretty naturally, but I think for a lot of parents, they feel guilty about that because... Every little thing their kid does drives them crazy. Because I think I, I think the problem with that, well, the reason we feel that guilt, is because we conflate liking and loving. Yes. Like we don't make a distinction. Yeah, that's a great point. That is good. Because yeah. you know, you know, God calls us to love all people. Yeah. But you know, but there's no way He expects you to like everyone. <laughs> well, I know that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You, know, you don't right. like everyone you encounter, right? right? Um, but you can act lovingly yeah. towards them, even if you don't like them. So it's just a reality of of life, you know, just interacting with other people, much yeah. less interacting with these little people who live in our houses. So, yeah. Well, I think this is an important distinction to draw there, right? That that so often, um, you know, music and poetry, have, which we're into the same thing, I guess, but have have made us think that that love is purely emotion driven right yeah instead of choice driven because mm-hmm. i can choose to love you when i don't like you anybody who is married and listening to this goes yeah you know right. there, there have been times when when i'll i'll just put it on me that that i know my wife has always loved me our entire marriage but i'm not sure she liked me every day but right. so forth. you don't have to confirm or deny sweetheart <laughs> just let the mystery hang out there <laughs> you know what i'm saying so well because love is a choice at, that you make and so when you choose to love someone right mm-hmm. like so if i have you know if i don't like the person at the grocery store the way they treated me I'm not choosing to love them. I don't, mm. you know, I mean, I'm, I don't have to like make that choice every day, but if my kid does something that drives me crazy, they're my kid, mm-hmm. you know? And while I might not like the way they're behaving, I might not like, I mean, let's just be honest. I might not like the direction our family's headed, right? I might see things and I think it was so much easier before this kid was here. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, or before they got to this age, or yeah, oh, that's a good one, yeah, yeah. or this stage, or or this new thing that's popped up, or whatever, and and I might go, man, it would have been so much easier back before they came here, mm. or and it's easy to kind of go down that road when you're feeling frustrated, and mm. you came, and I've seen way too many parents get to the point where by the time they ask for help, they are already going. I can't stand this kid. I don't want to be around them. Mm. I don't want to put up with their behavior anymore. And they're to the point of feeling, I mean, I've had parents say to me, my child is abusing me. And and I'll say, what do you mean? Well, they just yell ugly things at me all the time, you know? And I'm like, 
okay, I think we've gotten a little too far down this path of, you know, you don't like what they're doing and how they're behaving, Mm -hmm. but we can still choose to love them in spite of their actions that we don't like. Right. Right. And I think that's, unfortunately, we let little things that our kids do or big things over time build up and we don't choose to love them. We choose to get annoyed with them. Right. We don't choose to love them. We choose to say, oh, I'm just tired of dealing with this, right? Or we gripe to our friend who has the same problem and we commiserate, Mm -hmm. but we don't choose love, right? And we don't choose to go back in. And really the way we show our kids we love them is through the connection we have with them, right? And through very intentionally building that connection with our kids. And unfortunately, when we don't like our kids very much because of their behaviors, their actions, when we don't like them, then we don't choose to do things that connect us to them. And it just, Mm. it just builds this, this bigger and bigger chasm between us and our kid. I think you said something really, really important that I just want to, you know, take off from. And that is that sometimes um, we just commiserate Mm -hmm. with people. And I think that's why you really have to choose the people who are in your community very well, because you cannot be surrounded by people who are going to affirm your negative feelings towards your children. Right. You need to be surrounded by people who are going to challenge those feelings and say, no, no, you need to remember when you need to mm-hmm. understand why you need to re, um, <clears throat> you know, you need to remember who they, their child is. That child is, is a wounded individual who, uh, who is in need of love and, and grace and all of those things, because the crazy thing, and I was speaking to somebody about this earlier this week, when a baby cries, we, we, we all of a sudden, you know, we go to triage mode pretty quickly and we realize that they only need one of five things. They're wet, they've soiled themselves, they're hungry, they're tired, or they need somebody to hold them. Mm-hmm. That's it. And we quickly discern which one it is. Um, if they've pooped, you know, your nose helps you out, but the other ones you can, you know, can checklist that pretty quickly. But as soon as our children get words, we tend to ignore or forget is probably more important. We tend to forget the idea that they their behaviors are expressing a need, right? We, we accept that when the child is crying, that behavior is an expression of a need. But we don't accept when my child has words that their behavior is expressions of needs. They're just bratty. And so we have to continually remember that behavior is an expression of a need. And that has so often helped me when I've really been struggling and been at a place with the kids where I feel like, you know what, you know, as your dad, I love you, but I don't really want to be around you right now because I don't really like you. Because I've had those feelings about all of my kids. But I have to remember that that is just a, a little person whose age isn't even in double digits yet, right. whose, develop, whose development is even less than that. And they're scared, and a lot of their life hasn't made sense to them. And I think sometimes, you know, for us, um, we tend to not be as mindful of those realities with our bio kids as we are with our adopted children. Yeah. Um, but you know, they, they, you know, our one daughter, she had a pretty, pretty difficult entry into the world and you can see the effects of it mm-hmm. in her life. And, you know, we fostered for a long time and, and, and I think that, you know, we had a foster placement that left and I think that was at an age in her life that, that was really, really difficult for her. And she has a lot of anxiety about people because of that, but we tend to forget it unless we're sitting and talking about it. So, yeah. so one of the things that we have done that has helped us is, um, 
there's the engaged parent who's flipped their lid to some level, right? If they haven't flipped it, the lid's bouncing. And then you've got the non-engaged parent, which for the most part is true. We have gone to talking about it after, you know, in the post-mortem of any behavior intervention incident in our house and reminded each other that, hey, this is that kid's history. This is what they're struggling with. And this is the place they're operating from. Because when you're dialed in with the kid, you always forget that. Oh, yeah. You always forget that because it's about the emotion of the moment. So I think it's, you know, if, if we could, if I could offer any advice to people who are struggling with their children and feeling like they don't like them anymore, is you need to remember who your child is mm. and really be mindful of their history, what they're bringing to the moment and what they're struggling. Because if I can remember some of the hurts my children have experienced that I mercifully have not experienced in my life, then I think that that's a really great place to kind of get your relationship back on track. Yeah. I know one of the things that that's kind of worked for me when we've gotten to that situation with one of our kiddos, and I'm not saying this, this is what I'm thinking every time more often than not, I'm not thinking this, but if I can remember that we're a team that it's it's us against the problem, not not me against him. And I articulate that to him. You know, hey, buddy, look, we're in this together. I'll, I'm here to help you through this thing. That goes a long way towards diffusing that feeling of not liking him in that yeah. moment. Yeah. Well, and I think, and I just wish I could remember that more often than not. Right. Yeah, I think it's hard because in the moment, and especially if it this is not an a, a one time thing. This is a from the moment that child gets out of bed, they do things mm -hmm. that drive you bananas yeah. until the moment they go to bed, mm -hmm. right? And so they're they're just constantly, constantly, um, whatever it is, you know, they're doing stuff that just just kind of gets under your skin a little bit, mm -hmm. right? Um, or maybe they're just constantly belittling their siblings, or I mean, there might be very very big things that they're doing that are really, really making it hard for you to like them. And I think um, one thing that I have told parents a lot of times is I'll say, I want you to write down what you like about your child. Mm -hmm. And I want you to keep it someplace that, you know, just, you know, and just keep it in that place. And when you're struggling and when you're in that place where you really don't like them, mm. go to that list and look at that list and say, okay, these are the things that I really like. When my child is in their absolute best place, they can be, this is what I like about them. Yeah. And I said, because we can all find something that we like. I mean, your list may only have one thing on it to start with. Mm. It might be, I like that, you know, I don't have to help them when they take a shower. Mm. You know, I mean, it might just be something very little like that. Like they can actually take a shower by themselves, which there are lots of parents who are like, hallelujah, I hope my kids get there one day, right? Yeah. Um, or it might be that I like that they are not a picky eater or I like that they know how to tie their own shoes, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, just starting with little bitty things. And then ultimately you want to get to places where you're saying, I like that my child is kind when someone gets hurt and takes them an ice pack, right? Mm -hmm. We want to get there to where we can see those things or where our kids are able to give us those things. But if we make a list and we add to it constantly, we're saying, oh, what are some things that I like about my kid? And then just going back to that list and reminding ourselves, And then also being very intentional with our kids and saying, 
I need to spend time with you because you need more time with me because you're really irritating me. <laughs> yeah. We don't tell them that. Don't use those words with your child. <laughs> not recommend. What you're thinking, not what you're saying. What you're thinking is, <laughs> this child needs more of me, right? And I can yeah. think of one of my kiddos in particular that recently has been just very frustrating to me. And I know I need to listen to this advice myself um, because this particular child, it's like I start out at a level of irritation with this child when I get out of bed in the morning, right? Mm. The very first thing this kiddo does makes me want to flip my own lid, right? And I know that's just because my level of tolerance is like zero, right? I mean, if you're looking at what is my window of tolerance for this particular child, it's like nothing because I have had so much conflict that it's just, it just drives me crazy, right? And so I think that, um, if I can recognize that and I can realize that I need to spend more time with this child, I need to be intentional. Maybe it's just when I first get up in the morning, do a connecting activity. So my day at least doesn't start with irritation. <laughs> I mean, we could literally discuss this thing for hours because just thinking of so much um, of what you said there. And, and I think it's important for parents, you know, it's like any kind of recovery program. Until you're willing to admit that there is a problem and you need help, they know they can't help you. Yeah. And I think that we need to just stop pretending um, that we like our kids constantly because we don't. Because unless we're willing to say, you know what, there are things that you do that I don't like because there are things that you do that I don't like soon becomes there are things that you do and I don't like you. Mm. And some of the best advice I've ever heard was when somebody said, if you can imagine a world where your child is not a part of the family and you like that world better, you're going to start thinking about dissolving that adoption. Yeah. If you, same thing's true for marriage. If you can imagine a world where your spouse isn't in it and you like that world better, you're going to be divorced in six months if you don't do something about that. And I think that we need to just take ownership of the fact that we are flawed people. We need to take ownership of the fact that sometimes my child's behavior bothers me because of what they're doing. And sometimes my child's behavior bothers me because of my own history. But unless I'm willing to be honest about what's going on, we're not going to get to a better place. And we need to get to a better place. I mean, I was just thinking about um, our our one daughter who, who, if she asks you a question and you say, no, we're not gonna do that, she doesn't accept no. She explains why you were wrong. (laughs) And you're like, no, we're not talking about this. And then she'll just keep, and she's like a woodpecker, just tick, 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 against your head, and it just becomes, and you find yourself losing control and losing your desire to exercise any self-control, right? And just wanting to be punitive instead of being connected, right? But what I have to remember is that that sweet child has a lot of anxiety and and she feels like if things don't go her way, then things are really ultimately not going to go her way and really parenting that kid that's in front of me because she is. Just to watch her when she's in a good place with her siblings, her younger siblings particularly, is just so, so sweet. And so, you know, we talk talk about this a lot that in the parent-child relationship, all of the... um, responsibility of acting like an adult belongs to the parent right which is true because i have to do the hard work i have to because a lot of us wait for our kids to come ahead our direction um 
But the story of the prodigal son is the old man, the rich old man, stood waiting for his son. And the moment he saw his son, he ran towards him. Which people who originally heard that story would have appreciated all the nuance in it that we don't get, right? So for a rich elderly man... It was scandalous. It was scandalous, yeah. I mean... But that's but that's that's a perfect example because when you see your kid, you head for them, mm. and you do the hard work to cover the distance because so many of us will check out and wait for wait for the kid to please mom and dad, and that's not right, right? And I'm not saying it that it's not right for you to do this, whoever's listening. I'm not saying it's, it's not right when I have done it, yeah, because it, my responsibility to my nine year old is to love her well, not to wait for her to act right. Right, because act right is some arbitrary set of rules that we've made up. Right. Right, God doesn't wait which, for me. Which can change on a whim, too. Right? Yes, depending on my mood. Yeah. And whether, how long I've eaten since it's been, how long it's been since I've eaten is what I meant to say. Yeah. But, but God doesn't treat me like that. Mm. And so if I am willing to accept that grace every day, then I need to be willing to extend that grace every day. But if we're honest, we get locked into these control battles because we go, no, I'm not letting you run this house. Mm-hmm. Letting, and then we push back against that. Um, one of the wisest people I've ever I've ever met um, is a man by the name of Les Carter. He's an author and a therapist. One of his books is um, "When Pleasing You Is Killing Me," yeah. or "Pleasing You Is Killing Me." Um, you know, and so Kayla and I, um, he, he was our marriage counselor for a while. Um, if you are not tuning up your relationship every so often. You need to ask yourself why you'll take your car in for a tune-up, but you won't take your relationships in for a tune-up. <laughs> but Les had um, asked us one time, um, not asked us, he told us one time that when you're in conversation with somebody, particularly in the context of spouse, but this works in the context of any relationship, is that when you get aggressive tones and accelerated tone, cadence to your voice and your volume goes up, all of those are mechanisms for you to try to control the other person because you're wanting them to submit to your point of view. Mm. You're wanting, you know what I mean? Because it's a control battle. And so he said, instead of doing that, listen to each other. And I will tell you, my wife's sitting right next to me and she, and I'm going to ask you to verify this if, if I'm telling the truth or not. Since we both decided to take that piece of advice, the amount of conflict in our relationship has like gone just like almost to nothing. Mm. I'm not saying we don't disagree about stuff, but even when we disagree about stuff, we disagree about stuff better because we're willing to listen to each other instead of impose our will on the conversation. So yeah. um, I was about to say, you're just nodding. You're going to have to say yes. <laughs> nobody can see your nods. Yes, um, that is true. And I think that that's really great advice when it comes to kids too. Mm. Just even if your kid's yelling, just listen to them. Because you know? they're, they're trying to tell you something. Yeah, they just absolutely. don't know how an appropriate way to say it, right? right? And that is. I and mean, you can work on that later after you've heard right, them out. Right. You need to know what they need. You could reconnect, give them a redo, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if, you're, if, your kid, if your kid is constantly hitting their siblings, then you, can, you have a few options. It's a violent child. Or you could try to understand the child's history and you might find that that child came from a situation where um, where the, the alpha male in, in, in the house or whatever got respect and compliance by smacking people around. Mm. Particularly, you know, in, I'm thinking about in settings where, where the birth mom was perhaps drug addicted or was perhaps a prostitute or whatever, right? Where it's a known fact that those, those pimps get compliance through violence and intimidation. Right. And so if a child grows up in a house and sees that the the way to get 
respect and your way is to hit people, then what do you think they're going to do when they come to your house? Right. Yeah. Exactly that. But we're not willing to look at those things. A lot of the times, we just take the, the easy route and say that child's behaving poorly, let's be punitive. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we have to take responsibility for our part in it too. I think you said that, you know, we're looking at what what piece of it are we playing in this relationship? Because the relationships, there are two people in the relationship, right? Mm-hmm. But as the parent, we have more responsibility to build that relationship, right? Our kids, our kids ultimately are going to be adults and it's going to be up to them to, if they want to continue in a relationship with us. But I think if as the parent, we get to say, I'm going to work on this relationship because this is my kid and I'm choosing to love them even when I don't like what they're doing, right? even when I don't like the way they act. Now, does that mean that we allow our kids to yell at us and walk all over us? And I'm thinking specifically about those that have teenagers or have Mm. adopted older kids and they're thinking, well, do I just let my kid yell profanities at me all day? No, you don't. But you're choosing to love that child despite those things. And you're picking things to work on, right? You're, You're picking... What am I, what's most important here? Okay. The relationship is the most important thing and letting my child know that I love them is the most important thing. So am I going to nitpick every time they say something that's inappropriate? No. Am I going to, when they're not escalated and upset, talk to them about what's an appropriate way and how can we speak, you know, so that when they do speak to me inappropriately or whatever, I can remind them of a past conversation, yeah. right? And that's also one of those things of doing the detective work because the speaking, the profanity might be something unrelated right. to, to that moment, right? And you find out that when you're connecting on some other level that that thing might go away. Right, right. Well, because the more connected we are to our kids, this is something I heard Jane Schooler at a conference one year say, and it's always stuck with me. And it was just, just this idea of the more connected we are to our kids and it works in any relationship, but the more connected we are to our kids, the less they irritate us, Mm. the less the little things bother us. Right. Um, and I've, I use this example of one day I was on my way to work and I rear ended my boss (laughs) and, and I could see that she was, by her body language, I knew that she was not pleased that she'd just been rear-ended at a stop sign. It was like this weird situation. So she gets out of her car and I can see by her body language that she's about to read me the riot act because she doesn't know it's me. Mm. But because I had a relationship with her, she turned around immediately her face softened and she goes, okay, la honey, are you okay? Mm. And I said, I'm fine. I am so sorry. And I explained what had happened. And she goes, oh, you're just fine. Are you okay to get to work? I said, yeah. And she goes, okay, well, I'll see you there. And so then we go on our way, right? Had I been anybody else, she would have been like, I need your license and registration. Yeah. I'm going to call the police. I'm going to get all this, not license, that's the police, but you know what I mean? Right. The insurance she, information. Insurance yeah. information. That's the thing she wants from me, not my license and registration. <laughs> she wants my insurance information. She wants to make sure that I'm, you know, that I'm, that I'm going to pay for the damages. But in this situation, because we had a relationship, mm. she she we were connected yeah it, 
that thing that would have irritated her if it was anybody else didn't even bother her. Mm. Right. You know, and that's how it is with our kids. Right. And that's how I've, I've had families that say, well, I have biological children in my family that I have a really good relationship with, and they do the exact same thing as my foster child does. And when that child, that foster child does it, it gets under my skin. And I, and they're like, and I don't know why, because it's the exact same thing. And I'm like, that's because you have a relationship with this other child Mm. and you don't with this one. And so you don't, you don't like this other kid because you don't have a good relationship with them. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to add something to that. And, um, this is why this is a really important topic that you have to get under control. Yeah. Because how much, you know, I have a slightly different version of what Jane said. Um, and the same idea, just f- phrase it a little differently. And that is your ability to tolerate somebody's behavior is directly correlated to how much you like them. Yes. Yeah. Right. And if you are now going down the road, I don't like my kid. I promise you everything will bother you. Yeah. Yeah. Everything will bother you. And it is your responsibility to turn that around because I promise you the kid's behavior is probably not that different. It's just that you've now moved to a place you don't like them. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where you have to get it under control. Yeah. And you have to not, you have to surround yourself by people who will support you in getting it under control, right? Because there are so many support groups out there that you can go and sit and it just turns into a gripe session. Everybody gripes about their kids and everybody talks and you feel. Like, oh, they all get me and everybody commiserates, but no good actually right. comes Nothing out of it. Nothing positive's coming out of it. No, yeah. no. And so we've always tried, as we've led support groups, we've always tried to keep it positive. Not that you can't, not that you can't share things that are bothering you, but okay, this is bothering me. How are we going to get to a better place? It's asking for help, not just commiserating yeah. and commiserating. Because yeah. there's, I mean, if you just turn it into a gripe session, if you just sit down with all your friends and everybody gripes about that one kid that drives them crazy. Nothing good is actually coming from that. Yeah. You feel like you got to vent and get it off your chest. Or if you're in that Facebook group where everybody just jumps in and goes, oh, my gosh, my kid does that too. Yeah. Oh, And then you feel, oh, I'm not alone. But have you actually gotten to a better place with your kid? Or mm. do you just feel not alone in that moment, right? Because right? we've all been there. And we're all there you know, with one of our kids at some point where we get to that place where we go, this kid's really driving me crazy. Yeah. But if we can find those people who will say, what is your tri- child trying to say to you? Like, what is that that they need in that moment? Mm. Right. And you find those people that will encourage you to be a better parent and not just commiserate with you. Yeah. And I think on the back end of that, something that Ryan said earlier, not necessarily in these words, is it goes back to one of our Empower to Connect principles. You got to own your own stuff. Why are these things? bugging me so much from this kid that's causing me to not like them in that moment. And so if we can get that under control, like you were saying, Ryan, then those things start to bother us less and less. Yeah. Introspection's hard though. It is hard. It's probably the hardest thing we have to do as parents. Yeah, because it requires you to flirt with the possibility that you might maybe possibly be doing something wrong. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I can't be doing anything wrong because I'm awesome. <laughs> so I won't bother doing the self-analysis, right? I mean, yeah. That's kind of the progression that I was on for a long time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, guys, I think that's a good place for us to wrap this particular subject up for at least this evening. So thanks once again, Ryan and Kayla, for being on the podcast. Of course. Thanks, Chris. 
If you have a question for us about this episode or any of our past episodes, and you can fit it into 280 characters, feel free to tweet it to us at one big happy home. If like most folks, you need a little bit more room, feel free to email us at info at one big happy home.com. We also have a Facebook group just for our podcast listeners search for the empowered parent podcast community. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, the Google play store and Spotify. Just search for the empowered parent podcast. If you have enjoyed and gotten value from our show, we would appreciate a review in any of these locations. The Empowered Parent Podcast is committed to helping parents of foster and adopted kids through connecting, correcting, and empowering principles. Thank you for listening. 